Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Amber Bristow, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Cranberry chats on Instagram. Cranberries, harvesting cranberries, marshes, bogs, cranberry relish, women in farming. We talk it all right now. I looked you up and it says, <laughs> and this is yours. It says you love cranberries, baseball, and cats. In that, or- <laughs> in that order? In that order. <laughs> okay. It's a cool order. It's a very cool order. <laughs> What's your baseball team? I got to know. Well, I'm from Wisconsin, so it's got to be the Milwaukee Brewers. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, at the time, I was proud to admit that I worked for um, a minor league team with the Astros, but now after everything went down, I kind of strayed away from that a little bit. But uh, I worked I worked out in Iowa uh, with the River Bandits. They're a single-A affiliate of the Astros, and I was working there that Alex Bregman came up. So he first made his stop uh, with our team. So when he first came here, like his first day, I was I was walking through the stadium and I was in a hurry to get somewhere and I swung open this big metal heavy door and I hit I hit him in the face. Oh, no. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just I just broke the future of the franchise. I'm gonna get yeah. fired. Oh my gosh. Sorry, new guy. Yeah, sorry, sorry gave you a bloody nose. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> That's awesome. So let me jump in here real quick. And once again, we're playing the game of Connect the Dots. Check this out. Here we have Amber. She's got a dream of a career in Major League Baseball. Very cool. A lot of fun. Can't blame her, right? Let's go back to Open Field Radio, Episode 2. That's right, Stephen Lord. And his dream of a career in Major League Baseball. He winds up as the head groundskeeper for the Cincinnati Reds. If you missed it, be sure to check that episode out. Now, back to Amber. How did you get into working in minor league baseball? That's what I went to school for, actually. So I grew up playing softball, and I fell in love with the sport. And I started working in baseball kind of locally around me. And then I knew when I started my first season that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for a major league team. So I was on the hunt uh, kind of towards the end of my college career to find a team that I could start my career in. Um And I somehow landed a job with uh, this team down in Iowa doing community relations is mostly what I wanted to do for working. So just kind of like sharing the excitement between fans and um, myself and players. So that was pretty fun. Uh, So I did that for about a year. And then I came back home to the La Crosse, Wisconsin area. And I had a couple other jobs and realized I wasn't really happy um, doing that. And I felt most comfortable at home. So once I kind of figured that out, I went back to my parents and I said, hey, is there any chance that you'll let me come back? And um, my dad was more accepting than my mom at the time. So he was excited to have me back. uh, And now I think I think my mom is, too. So I've been working uh, back on the marsh for just over four years now. What a cool thing. (laughs) Baseball and around and about and now back home. La Crosse, Wisconsin, right on the river, right next to Minnesota right there. Yes. Yep. Well, what's your love for cranberries? Why cranberries? Well, I am fifth generation out here, so I'm pretty sure uh, that cranberries are just flowing through my bloodstream right now. I think <laughs> my blood is just cranberry juice. Um, <laughs> so awesome. I grew up out here. <laughs> 
I grew up out here and my dad married into the family business as well. So kind of seeing that through his eyes growing up and seeing it through my mom's eyes as well. And just every, just being so submerged in this environment. Um, like it's, it's, it's just so unique and so beautiful out here. There's so much wildlife. There's so much going on and being in Wisconsin, you get like the full extreme four seasons. Um, so just being around, you know, the different growing stages, just seeing everything kind of grow at the same time and develop over the year. And just having it be so different every single year, too, that's kind of the fun part about farming. I guess the cursing or the blessing and the curse is that it's so different every year and you don't know what to expect. But just growing up in this environment, it's so hard to pull yourself away from it. Sure. I have an older brother and uh, he's in politics, so he's, <laughs> he's completely different than <laughs> I am. Very different than farming, <laughs> um, very different. Yes, yes, but he, he still has a pull to come back home and, you know, help out when he can. So it's just something... It is something so unique and so special. You realize that from a young age and it's something that you never can really kind of stray away from. And I don't, I mean, maybe I'm new to the party. I don't know. I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I don't associate Wisconsin with cranberries. Am I out of the loop? Well, that's what a lot of people say, but actually Wisconsin produces over half of the world's supply of cranberries, which is pretty cool. That's very Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there are seven states um, that grow cranberries. Wisconsin um, leads the pack. And then other top producing states are uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, um, Washington State. Kind of more out on the East Coast um, is what a lot of people tend to think of just because, you know, that's kind of what you see on TV. Right. Um, so so that's, that's kind of the main reason why I started my Instagram page was to educate others on how cranberries grow because you know, a lot of people just assume that cranberries grow in water because that's all they see on TV. You know, they think like, oh, Boston cranberries or like Massachusetts and cranberries and they just grow in water because, you know, that's the image that you're so familiar with. But um, they don't. (laughs) They don't (laughs) grow in water at all. They don't. That's it. Well, that's where I associate it. Massachusetts. Yeah. The only only cranberry farm bogs I've ever been to were in Massachusetts. So I just assumed, well, New England, that's what it is. And uh, I learned in in researching you, of course, and some other things that that is not the case. Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. Protect your blueberries from SWD, fruit worms, and many other insect pests with Imidan 70W Agricultural Insecticide from Gowan Company. Imidan 70W has excellent control, quick knockdown, and residual following application. It's broad spectrum. It's an effective alternative in your resistance management program. It's easy on most beneficial insects and mites and compatible with IPM practices. Can be applied by air or ground. It's pretty easy. Ask your representative about Imidan 70W. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Open Field Radio. Now, I understand that Wisconsin and Cranberries is growing, and it's like that's where the industry really is. Yeah, yeah. So Cranberry is one of the few native fruits to North America um, so they just grow wild out here, which is cool. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I believe that actually the cultivation process kind of started out east, and Wisconsin kind of took that and ran with it. So we have a lot more open area um, out here than a lot of folks do out east. So we're able to expand our um, our marsh size compared to those like in, in Massachusetts. So we just have a lot more room to kind of expand and, and grow. Um, so that's how we kind of edged up. So that's how we kind of have like the higher, right. the higher leg, I guess. Um, 
so they kind of they kind of people out east kind of took it and then we just took it and ran with what they were doing so thankfully i mean it, it all worked out for us but yeah it is one of the few the few native fruits in north america so that helps too cool now let me back up a second i referred to them as a bog and you refer to them as a marsh um, am i again am i late to the party is there jargon here i have just forgot to look up no you're you're totally fine so it kind of depends on the region that you're in. So again, like everybody out East, it's a bog and everyone in Wisconsin, it's a marsh. It has something, there is a difference, but I I couldn't tell you what that is. There's like a scientific difference between. Oh, wow. Did I lose you? Are you there? Hello, hello. So, yep, we dropped the call. And this issue would plague us throughout the conversation. We made the best of it. It's all good. And it happens, but we had some fun with it. Marshes and bogs. I looked it up. I can't find anything one way or the other on the reason for calling one a marsh and one a bog. But I'm not the professional in this whole thing, so I'm sure Amber's got a better answer than I do. But a quick look at the history of cranberries in America. Apparently, the Narragansett people of the Algonquin Nation in New England were using cranberries for both food and dye. And who knows how far back that goes. But potentially, they were the first to introduce cranberries to the colonists in Massachusetts. And in 1550, James White Norwood referenced Native Americans using cranberries, and this would be the first reference to American cranberries up until this point. Pretty cool. Hello? Hey, I lost you somewhere. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. So you're saying there's a, there was some scientific reason between the bog and the and the marsh. Yeah, and and I'm I'm not an expert on that, so I don't know if it has something to do with like the land and water ratio. Um, I think it's just something that we do to kind of like get under the skin of the growers out east too. <laughs> no, we're a marsh. We're different than you guys. <laughs> oh, I see. It's a competition now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, walk me through because I don't know. Walk me through the growing process of a cranberry. Where does it start? Yeah, so cranberries are a perennial plant. Um, so we have vines that are growing out here um, for over, I think they're close to 60 years. Oh, my heavens. Yeah, I've heard of some that grow and produce for over 100 years. Whoa. So it just kind of depends on their environment um, and, and their variety. So like I mentioned before, they don't grow in water. They We, we grow them in a very sandy, acidic soil. So... Uh-huh. We don't have, um, we can't grow other crops out here just because our soil is so acidic, but cranberries love that. So thankfully for us, you know, it kind of works out. So cranberries kind of need like three main components. They need um, the acidic soil. They need a lot of water. And then they also need uh, the changing of the seasons. So they need all of the extremes to kind of help with their the growing stages, I okay. guess. They do grow on a low running vine. It's like a really, it's a, a woody little runners, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. So it's kind of like a great vine, I guess, but it, it fills out a lot more. So it's very, de- it looks very dense. It is very dense. It's kind of, it's almost like a shag carpet. I like to describe oh, it as. Cool. Um, so it's about <laughs> like ankle deep. <laughs> I, I don't know how to no, describe it. No, I like it that. Otherwise. I you like kinda, that. A shag carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just kind of have to. You just kind of have to look at it. Cranberries um, look like the seventies. Yeah, yeah, really. It, there, it, it changes from like a deep purple to a green depending on on the year. But mm-hmm. um, so, like a typical when I refer to a cranberry bed, that's just the area that the cranberries grow in. Um, so a typical size for us is about like two acres, and it's just like a long, skinny rectangle, and that is kind of dug into the ground. 
probably like six to eight feet below the ground and it's surrounded by a ditch. And then we have um, berms in between each bed. So just kind of like a series of rectangles scattered all across our entire property, if that makes sense. Um, so within the beds, we have irrigation systems um, and we use the irrigation to irrigate, give them water in the summertime. And we also use them in the fall and in the spring to help protect the vines from any frost. Um, when it gets when it gets below a certain temperature and that running water kind of keeps um, the ice from freezing the developing buds. So we, we have a lot of late nights in the fall and in the spring, just making sure we're just constantly checking temperatures. And right. if it gets below a certain point, we turn that on and we have to drive around constantly and make sure that none of the sprinklers are freezing up. Um, because if, <laughs> if they do, then that can kill an area of vines and we won't grow any fruit there in, in the, in the summer and, and in the fall. So we don't want that obviously. So it's a lot of, a lot of late nights <laughs> um, and, and cold nights and a lot of cold nights. Yeah. It's, it's not very fun, but it's, it, it has to be done. Sure. Um, so when it is time to plant a new area, um, what we do is we actually have this planned out a couple of years in advance. So we have a couple of different varieties. And if we have a variety that's doing really well and kind of thriving out in this area, we will go out in the springtime and we have kind of just like a big lawnmower and we'll go out into that bed and we will mow those vines pretty much right down to the ground. And we'll come out um, once those vines are mowed with a hay baler and we'll pick up all of those vines and put them into like a hay bale form of cranberry vines. Mm-hmm. And in the new beds that we're ready to plant in, um, as soon as those beds are harvested in the fall, we will go out and we'll just burn all the vines right off. At what point, if the vines live so long, at what point do you decide these vines are done? Yeah, so we can kind of tell based off of their harvest. So if they aren't producing um, the amount of fruit that, that their potential is, that's kind of when we have an idea of, okay, this is, bed is kind of getting close to retirement age. Um, it's just not producing as well. Or, you know, if, if there's just, if it's just not producing the way that it should. And sometimes that happens. It could be, you know, the, the soil is changing and the vines aren't keeping up or we did something wrong on our end. So we can tell usually like a couple of years in advance where it's kind of slowing down and just fizzling out. So with the new varieties coming in, um, they haven't been tested as long, so we don't really know, you know, what uh, what we're getting. If they're mm-hmm. a brand new variety, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah. So we don't we don't have kind of like a life expectancy on them. It's just kind of whenever they feel like they're done, we can tell. <laughs> gotcha. No, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Totally. All right. So you so you plant the new ones, and what happens then? Yeah. So once we get the vines kind of spread out onto that new sand. We'll disc them in, we'll water, fertilize them, and then they will continue to grow from just those vine trimmings. Um, so then in about two to three years, they will start producing a large enough crop that is that we can harvest and get good numbers off of. And the vines that we had mowed down to plant the new vines, they will also take about two to three years to get up to production again. So um, that first year is just kind of growing and putting in their roots. The second year is when we start getting those new buds. Um, and then the third year is when everything just kind of like fully pops and, and uh, we get a good sizable crop off of the new planting. Okay. And the new vines come from where? Are they come off the old vines or are these uh, totally new to you guys? Yeah. So if we are bringing, if we're introducing a new variety, so the way that uh, we get new varieties is just through cross-pollination of um, the plants. So we have 
there's different dealers <laughs> kind of in our area sure. that work. So we work with Ocean Spray. Um, so they have to be certified by Ocean Spray that these these vines are good. Um, so we buy, if we're introducing a new variety, we'll buy from the dealer. Um, and he just gives us these big bales of vines. Um, but otherwise, if we're keeping same varieties, we just go through our marsh. And if we have a bed that's producing very well, we'll mow that that bed um, to plant the new vines, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. And the new varieties, are there new varieties all the time? All the time, yeah. Um, a grower next to us, he's he's making new varieties every single year. He has an area on his marsh which just specifically test plots. So he'll plant new varieties. He'll watch them for a couple of years. And if he doesn't like it, he just scraps it. And if it does well, he'll plant it in a larger area. And if it does really well there, and if he likes it, he'll plant an entire bed of it. So growers can come to his marsh and kind of look around at everything and be like, oh, I like this. Oh, I like how cool. the size and shape of this one, or I like how this one matures a little bit faster than what I have now. And I need a little bit more of an earlier variety, um, which is really cool. He's very open and, and uh everything about that so it's kind of fun to kind of shop around that's exactly it. going shopping for a new variety. Yeah, exactly yeah. that's really a cool idea that's really nice yeah um what are the varieties of cranberry oh there there's a there's a bunch we have nine different varieties wow. um so they all pretty much taste exactly the same the only <laughs> difference between them uh is just their their ripeness rate or like their mature maturity rate i guess mm -hmm. so there's um berries that mature earlier in the season we have kind of a standard variety and then we have a late season variety um so the early varieties they don't have um they have a little bit of a lesser cold tolerance than like oh, the late season okay. so cranberries need that cold weather to turn that deep dark red so they can kind of kind of turn color like when it's in the 40s Whereas the late season, they need like those 30 degree nights to turn darker red. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of the main difference. There's also difference in like size and shape. And that's kind of, um, that kind of came from ocean spray and their requirements for our fruit. So we do all processed fruit. So our stuff gets made into juice and craisins and things like that. So they're looking for like a bigger, rounder fruit where like fresh fruit, you know, they're looking for like that classic cranberry shape. Mm -hmm. Um, so they have different varieties than what we have and, and kind of that whole thing. So that's why we have so many different varieties is that our consumer needs are always changing. We're trying to fit those needs by making new varieties. So while we're talking about varieties and those kind of things, did you know the name cranberry comes from the German word? It, well, it's German. I don't know how to say it. But in English, it was craneberry because the stem and the flower and the petals resemble the neck, the bill, and the head of a crane kind of cool. And it wasn't until English missionary John Eliot called them cranberries in 1647. So my next question in all of this is the water. We've all seen it. Cranberries floating in the water in some picturesque place. Must be Wisconsin, right? So where does the water come in? How does it get there? And I thought they were a bush. What's with the water? If you're keeping score at home, you're going to need a pencil and paper. This is going to be like a Rube Goldberg machine, I promise you. Get ready. Keep up. Yeah, so um, the, since we are in a marshy area, we do have a high water table. So we do have a lot of man-made lakes or a lot of man-made ponds out here. So um, we always have uh, full ponds, and all of our ponds are connected to ditch 
which is connected to um, a smaller ditch, which is connected to all of the beds. So they're connected through a series of tubes. And uh, the way that we can control that water is by um, blocking off the tubes with boards. So we, we call them bulkheads. Um, so it's kind of like the head of the bulkhead that we put these boards and we just stack them up. And when we need to flow water in, um, the only time that we use that much water is during the harvest process. So when that happens um, and we need to move water, we can just open up the boards to the pond, which fill the ditches up. And then the ditches are sitting a little bit higher than the bed. So everything just kind of gravity flows in. So we use those boards to control the water flow. And when the cranberry bed is full of water, we reach um, the amount of water that we need. We can put those boards in to stop the flow. And then when we're done with the water, we have another bulkhead on the opposite end of the bed. And there's another series of ditches to ponds. And then we just open the boards up on the opposite side. And then the water flows out that way into the ditch and then recycles back into the pond. Everything's always getting recycled. We don't just let it sit there and kind of go to waste or whatever. So everything, as soon as we're done, we just pull it out and it goes right back where, we, where it came from. Okay. Well, how how and at what point do the cranberries wind up floating like we see them? Yeah. So when it is time for harvest and um, we have... Again, this is going to be kind of difficult to explain <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about. No, so go for I'll, it. I'm I'll ready. Do my best. <laughs> I got a pencil. So I'm is, good. Okay, perfect. If you need to make little sketches, that's <laughs> well, fine. Well, that's too. what I'm going to do right here. Little, little, little sketches. <laughs> so when it's time to harvest, um, what we'll do is we'll put just a couple of inches of water into the cranberry bed. So we only do a couple at a time. We don't do everything all at once. Okay. Um, so usually we'll put like six to eight inches of water into the bed. And we have this tractor, uh, it's called a Harrow. So it's just like a normal small cab tractor, and except for wheels, it has tracks. Oh, okay. Uh, so kind of sure. like a snowmobile. Mm-hmm. And then on the front of this tractor, it has like these metal fingers on the front and on the back. So they're kinda, they kind of go down and make an L shape. So what this tractor will do is he will drive out into the bed, and then he'll place uh, these fingers or these columns like right down onto the ground and then he'll just drive he'll make one lap down and then he'll drive straight up out of the bed and then he'll come back on the other side and then he'll drive straight back and what that does is those combs will just kind of gently brush the berries right off of the vines and if you crack a cranberry open and look inside it has four chambers that create little air pockets which allow the berries to float to the surface of the water so the reason that he drives he just drives straight lines down and back um, it's a lot gentler on the vines than if he were just to make circles all the way around so he's not tearing stuff up. Mm-hmm. So we have the vines trained to grow in opposite directions. So that's why he does one side and then the other side. So you, if, you, if you're looking head on at the, at the bed, we have a line that goes straight down the middle that we cut every fall um, so we can tell where the middle is. And uh, the vines are trained to grow in two different directions. So the left side will grow one way and the right side will grow in opposite direction so again kind of like a shag carpet right exactly i can see my mom's shag carpet when i was a kid that's exactly what's in my head that's so funny you say that so once the hero um gets all the berries off of the vines we'll come back in and we'll add um 24 inches of water so that's considered our flood stage so we add that extra water to kind of elevate all the berries out out of the vines so they're not stuck in there um and that's kind of like the classic image that you're used to seeing is all the berries floating right 
And then we come in with two other tractors. And on the back of these tractors, we have giant spools. And on those spools, we call it a cranberry boom. All right. So the best way that I can describe this is um, it's kind of like that corral that uh, companies use if there's a big oil spill. Oh, sure. kind of corral all that oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like a floating corral type thing. So on these spools, it's full of these, this cranberry boom. So we park at the short end of the bed, the short end of the rectangle, mm-hmm. and these tractors will drive uh, so their so their butts are touching pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, one tractor will stay stationary, and the other tractor will pull this boom off of the other spool, hook it to his tractor, and then on the front of the tractors we have like these big hair dryers. So the tractor will turn his dryer on, and that just kind of blows all the cranberries off from the bank. So that corral can kind of just like snake its way through. And then he starts driving down the entire dam length until um, he's out of cranberry boom. And then the other tractor driver will get in his tractor and do the same thing until they meet in the same corner. They'll unhook the boom and they wait for the pickup crew to come. So all the berries are corralled into one corner of the bed. And we kind of determine what corner we, we pick up our fruit at kind of based off of the wind. So we're not fighting uh, oh, the see. wind and having all the fruit blow everywhere. Sure. So once all that fruit is corralled together, we come in with what's called our berry pump. Um, and the best way I can describe this, it's kind of like this giant moving cart. And uh, it's a two-story thing. It goes up, I don't know, probably 30 feet in the air. The top platform wow. does. And um, it's tall enough so it... it it towers over the back of a semi-trailer. So I don't know, that might not be 30 feet, but in my mind, it's pretty tall. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So (laughs) on this berry pump, we have an arm that extends out into the cranberry bed. And at the end of this arm, there is a pan um, that sits right under the water and that acts as a vacuum. So um, it's just below the water. And when we turn the pump on, it just sucks all the fruit and all the water up out of the water. And it goes up there's a big long tube that takes it to the top platform. And when it gets to the top of this platform, there's this large bin that fills up with water and all the fruit and all the water comes to the top of this bin. And then it kind of goes down a slope and then the slope drops right into the back of a semi truck. So uh, on its way down that slope, we have a series of grates at different levels mm-hmm. and the grates are spaced far enough apart so that any small fruit or any leaves or sticks, should kind of fall right through the grate. Oh, I see. So that water pressure kind of pushes everything down and the larger fruit will just kind of skate right down those ramps and into the back of a semi. And sticks, they get sucked to the opposite end where they go into a dump truck. Um, and we use all of those leaves and sticks later on as like a compost pile. So everything is getting used. Uh, so my job is to stand on top of the berry pump and watch the back of the semi truck and let the guys know when the truck needs to be moved. Um, and when it's full, I, sh- I can run the entire berry pump from the top of this platform. Um, so I'm kind of eagle eye up there, making sure that everything's working and running properly. Um, so once we, once we do fill up a semi-truck full of fruit, we send that to ocean spray. Um, and again, all of our fruit goes into processing. Uh, so for fruit or for juices and sauce and, and other things like that. Got it. Wow. 
What's an yeah? So it's quite the process. <laughs> it is quite the process, and I got to look this up now. I got to go look this up. Yeah. So what's an annual yield for you guys? Good question. So we measure everything in barrels, and I believe the state average is about two hundred barrel an acre. Okay. And so and what's a barrel? Uh, one hundred pounds. So a typical okay. bed size for us ranges from like an acre and a half to three, three acres. So. Okay. I'll let you do the math on yeah, that I'm one. I'm not good at that part. No, I'm going to get a calculator <laughs> and call my dad. That's what I'll do is call my dad. <laughs> so you, so a barrel, 100 pounds, and your and and your yield is how many barrels? Um, I believe the state average, uh, Wisconsin state average, is about 200 barrel an acre. Oh, okay. Wow. That's a yeah, lot that's of Yeah, that's a lot of cranberries. Right. <laughs> Well, I was thinking, you know, you said you're filling a, a, a semi-trailer with cranberries. I'm like, that's a lot of cranberries, but yeah, it just gets yeah. worse the more I think about it. Yeah, so usually <laughs> like on a on a two-acre bed, we can fill um, on a good year two and a half trailers worth of fruit. Oh, my gosh. And and, and, yeah. and, and how many beds do you have? Um, we have 230 acres, so I think it comes out <laughs> I think it comes out to like 70-some that's yeah, a lot of cranberries oh it's my gosh lot. that's a lot of cranberries holy yeah. cow okay <laughs> gee all right well let's yeah do, uh, well tell me about the ocean spray side of this do you guys grow exclusively for ocean spray yep yep we do so we have a contract with ocean spray and the great thing about them is they are a grower owned co-op um, okay. which is really fun so we get um a lot of say and and kind of what goes on with the company and um They've been they've been so great to work with, and their quality standards are so great. And it, I hope it makes consumers know how how good the products they're getting really are, and and know that they are supporting so many family farms by purchasing through Ocean Spray. So I'm glad that they are kind of putting the grower face forward now instead of you know I, as much as I love the other commercials, it's really cool to see like your your colleagues you know on the back of juice bottles and and on commercials now. So that's pretty cool. More of Open Field Radio after this. Savvy 50DF Ovicide Midicide for mite control on strawberries from Gowan Company. Savvy has long residual performance, low use rate, easy to use, dry, flowable formulation, soft on beneficial insects and mites, kills eggs and all, count it all, immature mite stages, PHI of three days, REI of 12 hours, and compatible with most fungicides and insecticides. Ask your dealer today about Savvy 50DF. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Amber Schultz, a.k.a. Cranberry Chats on Instagram. Ocean Spray, I think, is synonymous with cranberries. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, this morning, because knowing, knowing I was going to talk to you, I reached the refrigerator <laughs> this morning, and I said, I'll bet there's some Ocean Spray cranberry juice in there. And there was. My wife had it in the back of the refrigerator, and I pulled it out this morning, and I was surprised because, yes, it was Ocean Spray cranberry juice, but it was pink. It was Ocean Spray pink cranberry juice. So I don't know what that means, but it didn't look like regular cranberry juice. It was clear and pink. So I don't know where yeah. what makes it, but what's the difference? I mean, I'm just used to seeing good old cranberry <laughs> juice. And this was pink. It was great. It was Ocean yeah. Spray. But what, what's the difference? Um, so with the pink juice, they harvest, they do an early, like an early, early harvest. So in like August, they will harvest the fruit before it turns red. So they'll take all of the white cranberries and they'll make a juice out of that. And they claim that it's a little bit sweeter than a normal than normal cranberry juice. Okay. Um, but I think I think they kind of use it mostly now for like breast cancer awareness and 
We oh, have sure. proceeds that go to um, a foundation through the pink juice, which is really cool. Okay. That is cool, actually. That's very, very cool. And, yeah. And uh, is everybody in Wisconsin growing for Ocean Spray? Um, there are smaller companies, independent companies. Um, so it just kind of depends on the grower preference. Um, but I would say a good majority do grow through for Ocean Spray. Well, I was trying to think... Who, you know, if it wasn't ocean spray, then who else? Who else is it? And I, I really couldn't come up with anything. I didn't dig very deep. Yeah, very, very cool. What is the harvest season for cranberries? Our harvest season um, typically goes from the middle of September all the way through the end of October. So usually about six weeks. Are there weed and pest issues with with cranberries? Yeah. So with us being with so much water out here, weeds are a big issue for us. Um, so in the summertime. Actually, when I was in high school, that was my job was to go out and pull a bunch of weeds. Wow. So I was I was given a bucket and a <laughs> pair of pliers if I needed them, and oh, I would just man. sit and pull weeds all day. So uh, thankfully, we can still find some some high schoolers that will come out and do that <laughs> for us over kids. the summer. They, they usually don't come back for a second year, but... Um, <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, I know. Uh, my parents always told me that I would build character someday, but sure. no, I think they're just making stuff up. Still looking for the result <laughs> um, of that, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> weeds, weeds are kind of a, a, a pest for us out here. Um, they're getting a little bit resilient to uh, what we can apply if we do apply anything. So we just kind of result to pulling them at this point. And as far as pests go, um, we do have, we do have a couple nothing that will like wipe out our crop by any means, but we just have like some beetles, um, that will, that we have one that will eat the plant itself. And then we have some that will eat the fruit itself. So we kind of have pests throughout the growing season, but, uh, hopefully in the springtime, we, we will do another flood that will hopefully kill any insects that might've been hatched or that were laid, eggs were laid in the fall. So hopefully that flood will kind of suffocate and take care of them. So we don't have to worry about them through the growing season. Is there any, any pest or anything that is super critical to cranberries that would wipe them out? There's a grasshopper type. It's called the blunt nose leaf hopper. That was a pretty big deal. Um, about a hundred years ago that, that just kind of wiped out a lot of people and we just started noticing them coming back again. So hopefully uh, we have better treatments <laughs> this time than we did uh, back then. But yeah, those those darn little those darn little leaf hoppers will get you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. You don't want that. You don't need yeah. that. So what's it right. take to be in the ocean spray commercial? When are you going to be in that? Good question. I've been I've been bugging them. I've been trying my really? darndest. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, so they've they've been really great. They uh, they reached out and they asked if I would start making TikToks for them. And I'm kind of at that age where I I don't I don't fit in with the cool kids anymore. Oh, I'm not in on. that. Come on, come <laughs> on. So I'm I'm trying, but I was like I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm trying to watch like <laughs> YouTube videos how to make TikToks. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Okay. All right. So I I've been trying. So, so we'll see if they if they like it or not. <laughs> and that's how they pick who's in the next commercial. Make a TikTok video for us. <laughs> well, well, maybe it's just a foot in the door for a commercial. Maybe if I have one that does really well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally understand. I totally understand. So <laughs> so because you grow cranberries, do you eat a lot of cranberries? I do. Yes. You do um, like them. I, you like to eat them. Yeah, yeah, I do. I I love to eat them raw too. Oh wow! So all through yeah. harvest, yeah, 
And and if you've never had a cranberry, they are very tart. So they're yes. very low in sugar, which is great. They are um, considered a super fruit. So they are full of antioxidants, all good things, very low in sugar. Um, so they're just, they're just so good for you. So all during harvest, I'm just sitting there just snacking on cranberries all day long. Oh, cool. I love, I love to snack. So if I can have a snack right there, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat all the cranberries. I can hear it now. Get out right. of there. Get out of there. Getting rid of my profits. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a favorite cranberry recipe or a way to eat them? The thing you go, man, I'm, I do. I, that's how I like them. I uh, just made some cranberry sauce yesterday. Um, that's super easy. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible in the kitchen. It's a very well-known fact. Um, but I made this and it was super, it's so easy. You just take um, four cups of whole cranberries. You don't, just make sure you wash them off. Mm-hmm. Dump them in a nine by 13 pan. And then it's, oh, it's a lot of sugar. It's two cups of sugar. Yes, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. And then, yes. <laughs> and then it's one cup of a liquid. So usually we like to use orange juice. Yesterday I used um, cranberry juice. I used a cran blackberry. Uh, or you can use water, whatever you want to use. And then just a little bit of cinnamon and cloves. And then you bake that for an hour at 350. And it's it's so good. Oh, my. It's, it's like it's very <laughs> Christmassy and festive. And right. it's so pretty because it's, it's the whole berries in there and they don't break down. And mm. wow. If you like fresh cranberry sauce, that's, that's the way to go. Okay. My mom makes a great one and it's got orange peel in it and a number of other things in yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's so, you're right. And, and because, well, it's holiday season right now. You can't have Thanksgiving without it. You can't have Christmas right. without it. You got to have cranberry sauce of some kind. Right. And the, yeah. and the jelly stuff in the can just doesn't do it. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, it, if you're in a pinch, it'll do. Sure. Um, but I, sure. I recently found out that you can uh, shotgun a can of cranberry sauce. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is new territory here. Back up. You can do what? You can. <laughs> <laughs> I learned this through TikTok. You yeah, can I bet you did. <laughs> shotgun, you can shotgun a can of whole berry cranberry sauce. <laughs> so you have to take the top off and then punch a hole in the side of the can, which is way harder than I thought it would be. And you can... <laughs> You can do a shotgun, a whole can of cranberry sauce if you want to. <laughs> See, TikTok. See where this is going? See where this yeah, went? Yeah, you learn so much. My, my, my. Oh, my God. Well, I didn't expect to hear that today. That's a good one. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so if you want something fun to do this holiday season. <laughs> exactly. Well, tell me, you, you have a podcast as well. I do, yes. Tell me about it. It is called Forward Farming. Um, and it's hosted by myself and a fellow um, Wisconsin farmer. She is a dairy farmer. Um, so I I knew nothing about dairy. I grew up in Wisconsin, and yet I know nothing about dairy. And yet she grew up in Wisconsin and knows nothing about cranberries. Um, so we we met each other over Instagram, and I thought, you know, like I, I always wanted to start a podcast, but I was always too afraid to do it by myself. So um, when I met when I met her, her name is Becca. I was like, okay, I feel like we get along pretty well. Our sense of humor is kind of the same. Um, so I wanted to make a podcast that features women farmers. You know, there's a lot of like farm wives and stuff out there, which is great. I'm not, I'm not saying otherwise, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a lot of from the wife's perspective and never like the female farmer perspective. So I wanted for that to be a focus and we just kind of share our lives on and off the farm. We usually have a beer or two while we're talking and, and it's just a lot of agriculture talk and 
a lot of sidetrack and banter and stuff. So um, shot, shot down some cranberries it, while you're there. Shot down some cranberry sauce, you know, sure, sure. <laughs> typical Wisconsin. This is going to get out of hand quick. And again, it's called for- Forward Farming, correct? Correct, yes. Very, very good. Available everywhere podcasts are found. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> are there a lot of young female farmers in Wisconsin? Um, there are getting to be more and more, which is really awesome. And yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the great thing about Instagram is you are so you're so focused on what's happening in your world, you don't really realize what's happening in like your own backyard. So when I found this community of women on Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't realize there were so many that were kind of in, in my same shoes and to share my stories and hear other, other women farmers stories. It's so, it's so funny how different yet similar it is. And just the other day I was sharing like how I was talking to my dad and I, I was driving a dump truck and I was like, I don't think I should be driving here. I'm going to get stuck. And he, he says, oh no, you'll be fine. Just, just go give her hell. And then five minutes later, I get stuck. And all of the people that related to that and are like, oh, my gosh, my dad's the same exact way. <laughs> it's so funny how many people can relate to something, you know, so simple like that. So Instagram is just a crazy place. It, it, it is, introduced isn't it? me to so many, yeah, so many cool people and so many things that I didn't know I wanted to learn about. And yet here I am watching, watching all these cool things. Right. So it's a lot of fun. It is very fun. And that's how I found you, of course, was via Instagram. Yeah. So very, very cool. <laughs> Fifth generation cranberry farmer. Correct. <laughs> so that goes back to your great great grandfather. Is that right? Great. Yeah, something like that. Back in 1918, we started our family marsh here. Holy so. cow! Over a hundred yeah. years. Yeah, we are an official century farm, so we are very proud of that. And you should be. That is fantastic. <laughs> so if people want to keep up with you, how do we find you uh, on Instagram or anywhere else? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Cranberry Chats. I'm also on Facebook a little bit, Cranberry Chats as well. Otherwise, um, I do have a podcast uh, that's Forward Farming. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.